Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne, a place where we have conscious conversations about things that really matter in our lives. And now, here's your host, Roxanne Derhage. It's uh, Roxanne. Nice to have you uh, tuning in again this week. So today I have uh, a dear, I would say friend now, but I met, met Melissa almost, I think about a year ago now um, at an, it was a book launch, right, Melissa, that we it was with Kim Speed, a fantastic yes. branding and expert downtown. Yes, absolutely. Downtown Toronto is this really funky space and I don't even know that I remember the, the, it was like a shared space downtown Toronto. Yes, it was. Can't yes. remember the name of it, but yes. it was a really swanky event. Yes. Yeah, lovely, lovely. And uh, so Melissa and I stayed in contact and um, Melissa is a business coach um, that uh, was fascinated by her background and her story. So I asked her to, you know, um, come on and, you know, talk to us about her stuff. So I have a bit of a bio that I'm going to read on her. And um, mm -hmm. bios, I think sometimes it can be flat, but there's so much more uh, to Melissa. But um, I'll just kind of tell you a little bit about her background so you know what to expect. Uh, she's the founder of Stand Out Loud, a transformational leadership and empowerment company. She's a serial entrepreneur and she works passionately with business owners, owners to infuse intuition into strategic thinking and to inspire action so that they can build a successful business that creates meaningful impact while supporting their desired lifestyle. That sounds lovely. Uh, as a board certified trainer of neurolinguistic neuro programming or NLP like it's called, hypnosis, timeline therapy and creating your future processes. Melissa teaches elite empowerment tools and techniques based on neuroscience uh, that are proven to get, get results. Tapping into the power of the unconscious mind, she helps her clients break through the self-imposed limitations of their beliefs, align their passion, strengths, and purpose, and take focused action toward building a thriving business that fulfills their soul. Nice. Sounds like that, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So thanks, uh, thanks for joining us. Melissa's um, in uh, Mississauga, which is not too far from me here in Niagara. Thank you very much for having me on here, Roxanne. I'm really looking forward to our chat. Awesome. So um, I often, when I have people on, I talk to them about, you know different aspects about um, connection. As you know, with my brand, it's, uh, I talk a lot about authenticity. And obviously, when I met you, I felt that and, and also, also your other friend that I've met that in that particular evening. So tell me, you're a business coach, you're, um, you know, your buyer talks a lot about the um, neuroscience, which is something that I'm also big on. So tell us why you kind of is this what you went to go school for to become a business coach? You know, what did you do in school or kind of the path that got you to do what you do today? I tell you, my path was anything but straight. So I grew up uh, always wanting to be a dancer. 
And I had this passion for dance. Um, and although I really wanted it, I denied myself because of all the limitations that were in my upbringing, what my parents thought I should do, uh, what my school thought I should do. And so I found myself on a journey to self-discovery. And it led me into some interesting places. I went and I studied uh, language and linguistics first at uh, University of Toronto. Then I ended up doing some hospitality and tourism courses at Ryerson. In fact, graduated with a BCom in hospitality. And then realized that I still, it still wasn't what I wanted to do. So I decided to get into accounting because that is what my parents wanted for me. And I did that for about two decades. I was a tax accountant and a management consultant. And although very lucrative and well-respected, it still didn't fit who I was. And uh, I found myself putting a lot of time and effort into keeping that type of business going to the point where I felt like I was losing myself. I wasn't feeling joy or enthusiasm for what I was doing. And as such, I decided to go and find a coach to help me through these issues to actually find my path. And in the process of discovering who I am, I actually realized that the one thing I really enjoyed about my work as a tax accountant was coming into contact with my clients and finding out how they checked what was working for them, what wasn't working for them, both in their businesses and also in their lives, whether it be relationships or health, parenting, etc. So really, I was being a coach without being a coach. <laughs> I found myself in that position all the time. And uh, I was introduced to NLP. I was introduced to uh, timeline therapy and hypnosis. And these were tools that were helpful in uh, discovering who you are and getting at your core essence and also changing the behaviors that were all wrapped into the illusions that we all have as, as ourselves. And I got really intrigued on what type of changes I could help people make in their lives by employing these tools. So that's when I decided to become a business coach. Wow, what, what a swing from a dancer to a tax consultant. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. And you know what, each and every part of my path actually served the purpose. Hmm. And so I bring that awareness to all my conversations with my clients that even if they're not ultimately doing what they were meant to do, how is it that they can use what they've learned so far in informing their next steps mm -hmm. and in helping them to create their, their ideal life and their ideal business? So tell me, you said you, each, each role kind of prepped you for where you needed to land ultimately. So wanting to be a dancer yes, and being a tax consultant, <laughs> I'm trying to get past a tax consultant because I, I so, so don't see you as a tax consultant. <laughs> uh, and, and to this, you know, soul-inspired, I'm going to say, um, leadership coach. So how, how, what skills did you kind of gain along the way that kind of allowed you to, to land there? So 
insofar as dance, dance allowed me to actually feel and express myself, which is something that most tax accountants don't get a chance to do. Uh, it also made me very aware of the role my body plays and how I use energy. Mm -hmm. So it also, you know, it really taps into the passionate side of myself as well and all the emotions. Those are the things that I learned in dance. And on top of which, there's a lot of discipline and practice that comes into dance. Mm -hmm. that, uh, that is something that I learned from that area of my life. When I got into tax accounting, which is the, the odd one and it happened to be the one that I spent the most time in, I realized that becoming a tax accountant and a business consultant, it really gave me an awareness on how we use our resources, how we use money, how we use time, and how we use energy in creating what we want. Mm -hmm. uh, I've had to learn you know, that we have specific resources out there, and we have to get good at looking to how to employ them, and also plug up the leaks, the things that prevent us from using our resources in the way we want to. So one of my life lessons was to actually see how people can have a lack of boundaries around their time and their money. And so instead of feeding it towards their passion and purpose, they're being the good guy and saying, yes, I will give my money here, like whether it be to family or to friends and loans rather than actually using it to create more such that everybody can, can benefit from it. So in creating businesses, for me, I see a business as being a manifestation of a person's life's purpose. In creating business and making sure it's well-resourced and well-funded well and putting our focus in there, we actually can create better lives for ourselves, for our families and our partnerships our relationships and so when we are using our resources in places that aren't as productive or as focused we're actually causing energetic leaks out of our businesses and therefore we're not creating the more that we could possibly do wow interesting so using really the very practical skills of building a, a firm foundation mm -hmm. for a business but then you went on to kind of um, tapping into your purpose, which I, I, I'm interested in that story because you said mom and dad, which some of us can, a lot of us can relate. Yeah. <laughs> I take, could you take this path to go into, um, business or, uh, you know, to get your BCom. So mm -hmm. somewhere in there, I'm going to say you did some of it because of your parents, you gained certain things, but then your path found you um, to being um, this intuitive, you know, leadership consultant. How did you make that shift? So, really, I did it the way without grace. Um, I ended up in a position where I suffered from burnout for about four years. Wow. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, it was really indicative that I was on the wrong path. Or that at least I was, I stopped in a place longer than I should have stayed. And it was, it was based on my belief that I was doing what my parents wanted. <clears throat> Especially my father who happened to have been an account as well. <laughs> it really served as purpose for me to be there. And uh, where it finally gave way was unfortunately I lost my father to cancer. Oh. And uh, he was my motivation for staying. 
And so once he was gone, it really made me take a look at what is it that I get joy out of? What is it that I really want to do? What parts of my life make me happy and feel productive? And I realized that I'm way more of a, a people person than a person who could sit, sit down and, and fill out forms and try to make a really, you know, kick-ass balance sheet and income statement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the sexiness of their, that is not there, I guess. <laughs> it's, well, you know what? For some people, that's exactly how they serve. And, you know, it's yeah, a totally yeah. valid way of serving. Sure. I have a lot of really good friends who are very mm -hmm. good at tax accounts. Uh, that's what puts a little pep into their stuff, and it wasn't for me. I knew very well that I wanted to make a difference in people's lives. I wanted to know that what I did was having some type of impact. And so, really, it had to do with dealing with people, actually getting inside them, knowing how they ticked, um, and also revealing what is inherently them so that they can go out and do it is what they, they wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people say, you know, I'm passionate about, I don't know, underwater basket weaving. Who knows? But they, they might have all these different ideas as to, I can't make money doing it, or mm -hmm. um, how am I going to uh, raise a family doing this? And really, we have to get back to the idea that we can make an impact and can make a living doing things that we are passionate about. Life's way too short to be spending it doing things that don't fit. For sure, and I, I guess what I what I hear clearly is that um, you have those sometimes entrepreneurs who are have fantastic ideas, but they don't have the um, the grounding or the business basis to create that foundation. Which I, I hear that as being a great marriage for you. Oh, absolutely! You can guide them and and teach them lots of things that potentially. Um, oh, that's a great idea! You know what are the blocks and all those things to help them clear it. But then you can say, okay, well now let's go to a, a strategic plan that would be grounded somewhere in actual hard, pragmatic, um, quantifiable things. And there is, there is a certain uh, sequence and order into the way we get to the practical things. So we have different types of people who get into, it gets stuck because of different places. They're starting, um, not necessarily in the place that would give effective answers to the questions. So I like to follow the idea that we always start with why. Mm -hmm. Why do we want to do this? What is it that we are going to get out of it personally? Um, what are we going to be able to get out of it when it comes to our relationships, uh, when it comes to our businesses and society as a, as a whole? What is it that's there? Why are we doing this such that we can feel a fullness in our lives? Mm -hmm. Once we're able to say why we're doing it, get connected to the why, then we start working down into the more practical. Mm -hmm. How can we get this done? Right? We look at the processes that need to be put into place. We look at all our options, and then we can narrow down which ones fit best for our particular sets of capabilities. Once we can get through the how, then it's all a question of picking what to do in order to get the get everything in place. So for people who start at the what's, a lot of times they can get so overwhelmed with how many different things they can choose to do mm -hmm. that they end up being um, being caught up in inaction because they're overwhelmed. 
And those who don't start with why actually don't have the fuel or the juice to get those what's done. So we like to make sure that they start at the why and can work down right into the actual tasks or the what's and get things accomplished. Well, I should have met you uh, four years ago then. <laughs> <laughs> it's never too late. <laughs> I think I did it kind of, I had my own zigzag in my head that I think made sense. And I, you know, I, of course I've had coaching, but I'd never per se um, had actual kind of business coaching like you're talking. So I, you know, was probably into tactics before I kind of got clearly succinct on the why, but now I you know, by default, guess what ends up happening, right? You, you kind of meander around blind as a bat at first, and then you, you start to kind of get exposed to where you need to be. I would like to think that I was immune to that, but I have to tell you, that was one of the lessons I had to make because I got so caught up in all the details and the tactics that I never really got a cohesive idea of what my life should be, hence mm -hmm. getting stuck in places uh, where I was feeling unfulfilled. Yeah, makes so sense, I could right? have met myself four years ago. <laughs> <laughs> See, everybody would have been happier. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know, it all happens the way it needs to, right? So, you know, I'm curious, right? Let's say, do you, um, when people, what kind of people come to you? Like, give me an example of, you know, kind of your, you know, your ideal client or the, the average person that comes to you. Where are they coming to you with a business already intact? Are they coming, wanting to figure out, you know, what is my passion? What, or do they come at different spots? They come at different stages. So some will actually come because they have been looking for something different. So part of what I do is I teach, uh, teach NLP and hypnosis and timeline therapy and creating a future to people who want to use those tools uh, to build a new business. So they may be intrigued at the whole idea of taking their personal life experiences and putting into a coaching program. So they're actually looking to make a change in their life, um, in which case we're actually helping them to bring out their passion. Then we have some people who really like what they're doing, yet they want to bring it to another level. And so they're really trying to deepen their passion for what they do so that they can actually push up to the next level. So it all depends on their particular situation. We can get a person who is uh, working in a particular field and really connecting that to their why, if that's what they want. Mm -hmm. And then we could also find a totally completely different one. I've had, uh, I've had some clients who've come in and they're, they're not even clear of what they want to do. And it's a really question of going through a process of discovering what is missing in their lives. So really, it comes from all different places. The one thing they do have in common is that they do want it to be in a business format. And they're not necessarily looking for just life coaching. Although right. they get it in, <laughs> in the process all the same. So for some of the people that are listening or watching, explain to them what NLP is. Like briefly, timeline therapy and hypnosis. Because I know, I mean, I know kind of what they are because of what I do. But I'm, I'm going to assume that some people may not know. Kind of. Well, Neurolinguistic programming is a body of study that started in the 70s with John Grinder and Richard Bandler. And what they were looking at was how to model excellence. So it started off with them 
uh, studying the works of Milton Erickson, uh, Virginia Satir. Uh, they were looking to see and uh, see what is it that they did to produce results in areas such as hypnosis, um, psychoanalysis, uh, analysis. They were looking at, uh, well, Virginia Satir herself was a, uh, a social worker in family therapy. And they noticed certain patterns that were creating the results that people wanted. And the field has evolved so much over the last 40 odd years that uh, it's become an uh, entity of its, on itself. So neurolinguistic programming, in a nutshell, uh, we look at the ways we program ourselves from children and we can look at how those programs affect us, whether it be through uh, neural, the neural processes or the language we use. And then we use techniques that mimic the same way that we programmed ourselves and what we didn't want, and then use that to, pro to, to program ourselves for what we do want. Okay. So it really is a change of behavior, it's a change of focus. Uh, I always like to think of the mind as a supercomputer. Uh, we get a trigger, something happens inside that, if that is an operation, and then we get an outcome. And so by getting an understanding of what is running, what programs are running, we can actually reprogram ourselves such that we get a different outcome, the one that we're looking for. Nice. I like that explanation. I had... Uh... I've heard it explained, but it really helps me understand it uh, a lot more. So you work, you use that timeline therapy. Is a lot, is it that along the same lines or is that? Timeline therapy is a way that we use to get rid of limiting decisions, um, beliefs that don't serve us, um, some negative emotions. We do a lot of cleanup using timeline therapy. That in itself is a technique that was uh, introduced to us by a man named Tad James who is a mentor of a mentor of mine. And uh, we've seen people get some fantastic results very quickly without necessarily going into the content of the problem. Mm -hmm. As in, we don't spend a lot of time talking about the problem. Our focus is really on what can we learn from it such that we can apply it to our lives and therefore release it. And so timeline is nothing new. There's a lot of different uh, techniques that are based on the idea that we have a timeline. This is just a very, uh, a very effective way of using the timeline to get really great results really fast. Nice, nice. So it's like a complement of really kind of helping them clear. Yes. Not, not really getting ca caught in the why it occurred or how it developed really. Which I yeah. think, um, you know, we kind of think of psychotherapy and people will say that, but it's really at the end of the day, coming back to the present and understanding how it may be limiting you or impacting your world in the present and what can you do to clear it. So that's exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. You see, I was, I was a person on, on the side of the couch where you know, I was doing the talking and I found that the more and more I talked about the problem, yes, it would make me feel better for a while. But then it always came back. And the one thing that I never really did 
was to actually see how it is that I can change it in the now so that I can get a more compelling future rather than constantly living and reliving what was going on in the past. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So getting the learnings, learnings are always the most important part. And you as a psychotherapist, I'm sure you get that. Yeah, for sure. And I think psychotherapy, if you think of traditional psychotherapy, I think when I, when I um, trained years ago, it, people would stay in the past, but really I, I think the field has evolved a lot. Absolutely. Like, yeah, what, you know, okay, we understand the pattern, but what are you going to do about it now? Right. And, well, and, that, and that's the mm -hmm. only question that, that that's left to ask. What do we do about it now? The past mm -hmm. is the past. We don't have control over that. It's right. Time. The future hasn't happened yet. The only thing yeah. happens now. Right. For sure. So you work with them. They become clear. They, they remove blockages. Mm -hmm. Then I, I'm going to assume at that point they, they have a vision of the why. Mm -hmm. right? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I, you know, and obviously we're not, you know, we'd all like to say it's because some people may not know. They may say, I just want to make a good living or, um, you know, or I want to spend more time with my children or, mm -hmm. but when you kind of sift it through, then you really kind of get a sense of why they're doing what they're doing. And then, then what do you do with them? Then you, you start, is that where you start the metrics part of, of how, how they're going to get uh -huh. this whole idea birthed? Absolutely. So we would work together to get a plan in place. Um, the whole point is to design the life that they want. So until they can get clear on what they want, uh, we have nothing to drive towards. So definitely it's about goal setting. It's about setting up the benchmarks. It's about really using also the context of everything being able to see what is it you want here, what is it you want to be able to experience here, what, how do you want to feel, putting all of that into the goal setting process. And then of course the practical side of me always has to have numbers to it. So we talk about setting goals that are really compelling such that uh, we can actually program them to go get it. One of the things we talk about is uh, the difference between the conscious mind and the unconscious mind. We can consciously wish for something. We can consciously set our goals. Where we fall apart is when our unconscious mind isn't actually trained to go get it. So that's one of the things that I work with my clients to do is how do we program the unconscious mind to actually go and get the goals done? Uh, and that includes cleaning up the past. It includes focusing on, on the now and what it is they want to create and taking inspired action such that you've got all the energy in you going towards that goal. So yes, those are the things that we do at that point. And it's constant uh, course corrections because as you know, life happens. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the greatest things that I get to do is as life's happening, what is it that we can do to get you back on track? So give me an example of an unconscious block that you seem to see that pops up for people. Well, if we're talking business, let's talk about money. Okay. You know, uh, though the entire purpose of a business in the traditional sense is to make a profit, yes? Mm -hmm. Yet, uh, we all grow up with different ideas of what money means. Mm -hmm. So some people may look at money as being just a thing. It's something that you can put in a wheelbarrow and they have absolutely no emotions to it towards money. They're very rare. 
Money is usually <laughs> something that's extremely emotionally charged. So you might get a person who has a belief in the background that money is the root of all evil. And it could very well be that money was a huge factor in all the negative things that have happened in their lives. Mm -hmm. How is a person going to fare in the world of business if their background belief is that money is the root of all evil? And we see this pop up in a lot of businesses where people are really of a huge service mentality and all they want to do is help people. I want to help people. Then they, they start giving things away for free because they, it's almost like there's this feeling of dirtiness around money. Mm -hmm. Then you might have someone who thinks that um, money is uh, money causes problems in relationships. So say a child is growing up and all they've ever heard when it comes to money is that mom and dad are constantly fighting over money. Mm -hmm. How would that affect the way they treat money within their business? I've come across people who, when it comes to money, they look at money as being uh, uh, something that is scarce. Mm -hmm. That it's either you have the money, or I have the money, or someone else has the money. Uh, scarcity is one of the biggest things that uh, cause people to think that they're always in competition with other people. And although healthy competition is great, if it becomes a fight over uh, who gets what, instead of really looking at how can we create more, uh, that can have a negative impact on the person's business. So think of all the ways that money has played a role in people's relationships, or their ability to parent, uh, even when it comes to health. And imagine how those same beliefs can, can manifest itself in a person's business so you you get you you see the leaking holes then truly oh, yeah so the there's the business plan mm -hmm. <laughs> there's the why but then you're looking at how you know how is it by not picking up the phone you know you're not you're you're gonna make say five thousand dollars if you pick up that phone mm -hmm. but you find every other reason not to pick up the phone, for instance, and then you try to find the belief behind what stops them from the action? Is that what you kind oh, of- Oh, absolutely. So I remember even, I'll use an, ex an experience such as my, in my own, where I could have picked up the phone and made a really great sale, somebody who really, really wanted me to work with them. And this is early on in my coaching career. And as wonderful as it would have been to have picked up the phone and made that sale, I had in the back of my head that the minute that I made that sale, now I'm an indentured servant to that person. And that was based on certain family patterns that I had in my life at the time. So the whole idea of almost selling my soul mm. was a problem. Fortunately, we had tools for that, so I was able to work that through. <laughs> Yeah, so, get those blocks out of yourself first and then you Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. Could you imagine if those were still around? Then I would never be able to pick up the phone for anybody. But and I think I think that's so that's such a gift, right? Because I even think of myself and I would think that one of my major blocks is I do too many things. And yes. I think back though, really, and I think, well, when did that start? Right? Well, I think I was always in a rush because it, it's 
um, it helped me distract from certain things that were going on in mm-hmm. my life when I was younger. And I've yeah, always, yeah. I always have many too many balls on the go. And you know, when I, when, when they drop, then I'm mad. Mm-hmm. And, but really when I slow or have slowed, then I look at it, but there's a discomfort, mm-hmm. right? To, to, to slowing down, which is really, and we know with, with those pragmatic tactical steps that you have, you have to slow, you have to focus on one thing, right? But for me, it was a discomfort within, oh, I don't know if I like this, you know, because of that old stuff. Um, and then, of course, what I, what I get, I would do things, but would I feel good about the stuff I've done after? Not so much. And maybe, you know, I'd be like kind of that rabbit that runs off and with every time there's a new thing, that distraction, I think, was helping me, but in fact, it was hurting me. I, I grew up as a product of the 80s, and I still remember in the 80s, all the magazines that would talk about how a woman can have it all. Mm. She can be a fantastic wife, an unbelievably nurturing mom. She can work full time and still have um, her house look spotless and do all the things in life. And, and it's good to want all that. The thing is, is that we never really learned how. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was the idea that we needed to do it all ourselves. Mm-hmm. And if anything was less than ideal, then it was somehow a message of who we were as women, mm-hmm. that we were, we were lacking something. So you could have been a high-functioning executive, but if your home wasn't clean, <laughs> that was an issue. Yes. So yes. We, we learned to do it all ourselves, and that isn't a healthy way of going about things. When we can start you know, stepping by, by stepping back and looking at, okay, what is it that we want and how can we do it and not necessarily do it independently, but actually look for areas where we can all work together interdependently such that everything gets done and everyone gets what they want. So it was a major deal the first time I got someone to clean my house for me. Mm-hmm. Right, it was a big deal to have have someone clean my house, and there was a little bit inside me that going, "Well, why am I not cleaning my own house?" I got over that quick. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would have gotten over that really quick too, Melissa. <laughs> At the same time, there was a little piece of me going, "Why is it I'm not cleaning my own house?" And it's mm-hmm. that idea that we needed to do it all, and we needed to do it all ourselves. Once we get rid of that idea that it must be done independently. Uh, we can actually start being more creative and use our use our gifts, our talents, our energy, our passions to the best use rather than being stuck in the things we don't want to do. And there are women there out there who love, love cleaning. They can clean my house. <laughs> but I think it I think to your point, right? It's about, you know, um, even myself when I was my son was young and I was traveling and you know, craziness, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, and then I'd have friends that, you know, you know, they did all that home stuff. And, and then I would look and, and and then in the back of my head, I'm thinking, oh God, don't judge me. Because if I had a get, <laughs> if I had a get together, I would have it all catered and, you know, those types of things. Yeah. And then I got to the point, I said, you know, hold on, I'm in a, you know, a plane, a train or a car at any given point with a one-year-old, you know, at home, 
mm-hmm. you know, what's realistic to be able to juggle it all. Um, I could, there's no way I could be, you know, doing the things that my friends that had more flexibility could do and just accepting it, I think. And, and that's a hard thing, but I mm-hmm. think you're right. Again, sometimes it's, it's how I may not realize that I'm doing all those things and it, it takes the objective person to step in and then have me or some, one of your clients clear that by, you know, by if it's a technique or a, you know, something different, like an inspired action, you called it, which I like, I like that word. Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, to be able to clear it up so that you can add that new seminar or, you know, something new because it beca- then you, you're there and you're like, how did I get it there? But if you're left up to your own devices, you know, what are we doing? We're rattling around in our own brain without any perspective from outside. So um, clearly what you do makes sense because it allows the person to look as objectively as they can at what they're doing versus our subjective reality, which becomes quite familiar for us. We can kind of, you know, stay there and dance around (laughs) and not get around, you know, to what we need to do. Yeah. And that's not the type of dance I like. <laughs> it's a little tiring. <laughs> so, on in general, um, how long are your coaching sessions? Do you do it for a particular time? Is it? Do you have group coaching? Do you just do individual coaching training? You know, all the things I do um, are really based on on what the client needs at the time. Okay, so. I have a program where I do what we call breakthrough coaching and breakthrough coaching is a very intense process for a very short period of time. Uh, Usually it would last about uh, a month and a half to two months. And what we really do is we spend time really getting down to the root cause. What is the one thing that this person needs to break through such that they get exponential uh, returns on investment of their time. And usually it's something that's really deep-seated, deep-rooted that is actually operating out of consciousness. Mm. So we spend quite a bit of time just getting down to the root. And once we can identify the root, it's very easy to get rid of using the techniques that we have. So that's one way that I work with clients. Um, once they're through something like that, we might do some accountability coaching and that really goes to the business side of things where we set up the metrics and we, mm-hmm. we look to see if we look to see what the plan is and work towards that plan. And then course correct if need be do a little cleanups here or there in case something else pops up. And that really is about building, and that could last anywhere between six and 12 months if they choose to do that on top of the breakthrough. The way I really love to work with people is I love to train. I really like to put the tools in people's hands such that they can, they can use the tools on a daily basis to actually get the best out of their time. So I run a practitioner training four times a year where the people who are working with me get the skills that they can use for themselves and they can also use those skills with others. And that there is, well, you've always heard about, you can either give a person a fish or you can teach them to fish. Well, I like teaching the fish because uh, it's really great when you see people actually start taking, uh, taking their power and using it rather than necessarily using me as a coach um, as almost like, uh, 
over a longer period of time than needed. So I really, really love doing the training as well because we tend to have a lot of fun and a lot of transformation all in a short period of time, usually that week. So they, so the trainings that you do, Melissa, it's mm -hmm. uh, NLP, NLP, timeline therapy, and hypnosis. And we also teach the coaching processes that tie it up into a wonderful, uh, wonderful bow, where we you know exactly when to use what particular technique and for what in a coaching paradigm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So once they walk away with that training, they would be certified in um, something. I don't know what the certification so would be. What happens is I'm a board-designated trainer of the American Board of Neurolinguistic Programming, of the American Board of Hypnotherapy, and of the Timeline Therapy Association. So okay. what happens at the end of the training, should the people choose, they can go and apply for up to four board designations in those bodies. Okay. So, okay. as an accountant, I, I knew how important designations were for me, and so some of my clients actually come in, and if the if the designations are important, then they know they have access to it. Okay. Nice. Nice. So, I, I really I really like what I hear in reference to um, you know the the intuitive side, but the business side, right? Because I think. Um, someone like myself, I'm more on the intuitive side. I'd, I'd probably not be as good on the business side. And I'm sure you have people really good, pretty good with business side, but they come and they're kind of clueless on the other side. So that kind of interweaving, I, I, I like that, right? Because sometimes you have to, you have to say, somebody has to say, get out of your head. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and then somebody, you know, exactly. Okay. Start doing something and people that are doing something you need for have them dream. So I think, I think it's, 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 it's a really nice space. And then with these actual techniques, like not only are you um, having the capacity to clear it within yourself, but then if you're coaching or whatever that you can go on then and, and do it with your practice, your coaching practice or whatever, that's uh, mm -hmm. really nice. And you know, it's, uh, we use the word coach and I, I remember people saying, but Melissa, I don't want to be a coach. Mm. And what I like to tell them is we're all coaches. Remember, I was an accountant, yeah. and I didn't realize what I was doing. I was, I was coaching my clients mm -hmm. without knowing it. Uh, as parents were coaches, as teachers mm -hmm. were coaches, as, as anything where we are in a leadership position, we are coaches. Mm -hmm. So coach is just the word that we use in, in my business only because we need a word or else we'd be you know, forever making lists. These are really tools that are used uh, as human beings to get the best out of ourselves and the best out of the people around us in whatever capacity that happens to be. Makes a lot of sense. Now, I know you have something pretty uh, unique coming up that we, we were chatting about before we got online um, that I think would probably be helpful for a lot of people. So why don't you share? I know you have uh, something coming up around goal setting. Yes. Uh, more than just goal setting, it's about goal getting. So it's called oh. Do Have More, Be More. And really what we're looking at doing is using wonderful quantum tools in order to design the life we want. And since it's the start of 2019 and I'm in less than a month, I figured this would be a good, a good way to, to get started. Uh, normally people, you know, they set their New Year's resolutions 
um, in the beginning of January, and you know what happens to them before February even hits. They're done, right? So I would love to put the tools in people's hands such that they can design the life they want in 2019 and actually go and get them. Give them uh, all the secrets they need to get started on that. We'll be doing that uh, on January 12th and 13th, 2019 in my offices, just in, just in the inside of Oakville. Okay. So we're excited about doing that. Um, really, it's about how do you use the unconscious mind, which is the um, most powerful engine you have in your mind, to actually go get what you want. Sounds nice. And is it is it a full day training or two days? It's, two, it's two days, two full okay. days. Okay, two full yes. days. Okay, just right after you start the new year, which is probably a great place to be. Well, it's a good time because everyone feels really enthusiastic and energetic in January uh, before the February blues hit. <laughs> it's really <laughs> great to use that energy, and it's a new beginning for most people. Mm -hmm. So let's use that energy and that enthusiasm and put that towards our goals and actually knowing how to sustain it over the entire year. And I think that's, that's, that's the gift is the sustainability, right? And not getting distracted. Like I said, right? Like, I mean, Oh, there's this new platform and you're off running and looking at that or kind of like being harried because you come back to that space and it's not just a business plan, but it, it's something that you have connected with Yes. Actual steps, right? And, and that will be tied into actions because all the wonderful planning in the world is not going to help you at all unless there's an action plan to back it up. Yeah. I, I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this has been... Yeah, we change it from wishes, to act, uh, wishes and goals to actually things that are actionable. Actionable. Excellent. Well, this has been a complete pleasure. It helps me kind of think about what I'm going to do in, in, in 2019 and that I have to, you know, make sure it's specific and clear and uh, in alignment with what I want. Um, and I think the intuitive with um, the pragmatic, which is what I, I'm taking away here today, like, you know, once those collide, like you've done so uh, nicely with what um, in your business, it's, um, how can you go wrong, right? Other than if you get tripped up, then you know you need somebody um, like Melissa to work with you. And please uh, do reach out. Um, uh, like I said, she's in Mississauga. I'm just going to assume that you probably do do coaching online too. Do you, or do you do it? In I use I use tools such as Zoom. So if uh, if it's not possible to come into the office, absolutely, I can work with people online as well. Excellent. Excellent. So that's good to know. So what am I taking away? I'm taking away that, um, you know, don't forget your why. Um, stay connected. Uh, make sure that you have um, actual pragmatic things um, written down. Um, and then make sure if you're vacillating around certain tactics consistently that you start to try to ask the question, what's blocking me from attaining my goals. Um, so again, thanks a lot, Melissa, for being here. For anybody that wants more information on me, uh, you can go to roxanderhodge.com uh, forward slash blueprint, uh, where you can download a free course and how to be a bit more authentically connected to just you in whatever realm. And for any companies that are looking for speakers on mental health and wellness, I'm an expert in that area. I can be reached at that site. So take care and we'll talk to you soon. Bye, Melissa.
Bye, Yartan. Thanks for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne, creating the space for positive, healthy change. Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit roxanderhajcom slash blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne.